Well, dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. There's really nothing more scary than having the choir behind you during the sermon. You are on TV, just remember that. So how many of you have ever had a deep, abiding disappointment in your life? Come on, any of you? Well, 60 years ago, this year, I was turning nine, and we had just moved from Chicago to Minot, North Dakota, and my dad had started a new job, and we had purchased a brand new house that was actually being constructed, finished as we were moving in. And we were on the very edge of town, and I thought this was the perfect year I could make my move. I had garnered all my resources. I started to do a letter campaign. I wanted a horse. I had grown up with horses at both farms that uh, we attended uh, with grandparents. I loved them dearly. I liked to be around them. I liked riding them. I would sneak anyway. I wanted a horse. So I started with the low-hanging fruit, wrote a letter to Santa Claus, then, you know, thought I'd get mom and dad involved, and almost every night it was a conversation at the dinner table. They did not seem to show much interest. So I wrote letters to grandma and grandpa, both in Iowa and South Dakota, and finally, right before Christmas, I thought, we need the big guns. I wrote a letter to Jesus. I remember bringing it to church, putting it in the offering plate, and that's going to get the deal done. I knew where we were going to put the horse, where the little shed would be, right up there on the edge of town. And Christmas morning, beautiful, beautiful, ran to the back window. Nope. No horse. And I can still feel the emotions. This. Everything I'd ever wanted about being a human being was poured into wanting that horse. Nothing. No horse at all. To make matters worse, mom and dad gifted us with a dog. And not just any dog, a little short-legged dachshund dog and who barked all the time. You couldn't ride that dog if you wanted to. So here was what I'd hoped for. Here was what we got. Deep deep disappointment. We have two lessons about that today. The text from Isaiah is one of my absolute favorite texts. I cannot tell you how many times I've shared that with people. Normally at the nursing home, this beautiful image of return, of leaving exile and being able to come back to the promised land, this beautiful imagery of the desert blossoming, of, of being made brand new with rain and the gift of water. I've been gifted twice in my life of watching the desert blossom after a rain. And it is an amazing thing as this carpet of flowers appears and within a, within a day they're all done. But it's just an unbelievable scene. And clearly Isaiah the prophet is tapping into that knowledge. And then that beautiful imagery of this wonderful road of coming back to the promised land, of being able to look over that last hill into Jerusalem. And somehow I think they'd gotten it in their head that, that Jerusalem itself was going to be somehow restored in their 40 plus years of exile. And we can hear in scripture the deep 
abiding disappointment as now the old men and women who had been boys and girls as they'd gone into exile crest the hill and here's the same broken, destroyed city that they had left 40 plus years before. All their hoped for dreams of a city restored, the temple rebuilt, the walls made brand new. None of that had happened. The profound disappointment within the community of how to restore the, the kingdom and how to restore the temple, how to restore the city. In the gospel lesson, we have John who's now been arrested. He has been about his work. He has done exactly what he thought he should be doing, preparing the way for the Messiah. He has been a fierce, fierce preacher, inviting people into repentance, into examining their lives, to making themselves ready for the arrival of the Messiah. But now he's been imprisoned. He started picking on people that are dangerous to pick on. He had called out the king and his behavior about stealing his brother's wife. And his new wife did not like being public fodder. And so he had been arrested and now he does not know what the future was going to hold. And he's been getting word from his disciples about what Jesus, the one that they've been waiting for and that he had in fact had baptized is not sounding like what he had thought was going to happen. He hasn't been rescued. There's not been some miraculous escape from jail. And so here comes the question. Are you the one? Are you the one? And it, or should we wait for someone else? Here is a man who does not know his future, who has done his work, who has hoped for the best. And he cannot, as he is hearing the reports and as he is examining Jesus' work, can't find what he's been hoping for. And Jesus doesn't make it better. He doesn't send back a good word. Because what does he say? Go and tell John this, that the sick are cured the lame get to walk, the blind get to see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. Those are all the outcast people. Those are the ones you don't invite to the party. Those are the ones who shouldn't in some ways even be mentioned. Jesus is not coming to call out the elected officials. He is not coming to tell people to repent or they will be punished. Clearly, Jesus is saying in his actions, in his words and deeds, I am coming for mercy. I am coming to be merciful. We in the community of faith regularly impose our desires on Jesus Christ. We want him to be what we want him to be. We look at our lives, we look at our faith, we look at our communities, and we would really like Jesus to act a little bit differently. It would be great to be saved when I've done something stupid. 
it would be great if he could act a little bit more like Superman to save us from that locomotive that's barreling at us. It's hard when you're a preacher and a pastor to sit in that hospital room and pray day after day with the family and where death finally has its way. Why was this child or this adult or this mom, this dad not healed? Why did this relationship that we've prayed over and worked over, why did it finally come apart? Why did not Jesus intervene? We can ask, we can ask John's question, right? Are you the one or should we wait for someone else? And Jesus tells this community and me, no, I have come to heal the, heal the sick, raise the dead, and preach good news to the poor. That's our work. That's our work. We are the poor. We are the ones that are sick. We are the ones that Jesus speaks into. On this day, as we wait for Christmas, as we await Christ's return, here is the work. Here is the message. I have come for mercy. I have come so that your sins might be forgiven. I have come so that you might have new life in me. I have come so that you might have a new beginning. And in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, that takes place. So on this Advent Sunday, please hear the good news that is Jesus. Set aside what you think Jesus ought to be about and hear what he has to say. Please hear that in the center of this church is Jesus Christ, him crucified, raised from the dead, inviting us into a new future where life is given and life is given abundantly. So in this Advent season, as we await, set aside your disappointment, step into a future that is owned and claimed by the one that we know as the Christ and the Messiah. Amen.